Welcome to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. Please open your hearts to hear an anointed message that will encourage and empower you to walk in the love and light of God's Word. Beloved, we have reached part seven of The Stage is Being Set, and today I will pick up with a commentary by way of Life Ministries entitled, Rome and the Harlot of Revelation 17, that we began in our last segment. We left off with number three on the list of documented proofs that identify Rome and, specifically, the Roman Catholic Church, with the religious harlot that John sees as he is given a glimpse of the end of days that have been recorded on God's prophetic calendar. And so, we pick up again with number three, her worldwide reach identifies her with Rome. No matter where you go in this dark world, Rome's tentacles have extended there. Further, Rome is busy extending her influence by yoking together with Christian denominations and pagan religions of the world. A statement made in recent decades by the late Michael Ramsey, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury, shows how far the ecumenical movement has gone toward reconciliation with Rome, and also how the false prophet will win sway. On August 7, 1977, Michael Ramsey said that he would accept the Pope as President-Bishop of a United Church as he was quoted in Focus in their July to August 1988 issue. Ramsey also said, We should like to see the churches of England, Scotland, and the United States, and any other countries bound together in one body. If the Pope would like to come in as a chairman, we should all welcome him. End quote. Not only are apostate Christian denominations returning to Rome, but so are pagan religions. At the last two General Assemblies of the World Council of Churches, the speakers included Hindus, Buddhists, Jewish rabbis, Muslims, Sikhs, Native American Indians, and Australian Aborigines. Pagan altars were erected and fire offerings were made to various pagan gods. Ecumenical means universal and worldwide, and the present-day movement of professed Christian unity represented by groups such as the World Council of Churches, that eventually will be melded into the Roman Catholic mantle, is the foreview of this worldwide apostate church. Like Roman Catholicism, the WCC itself is indeed worldwide, being composed of more than 300 denominations, representing some 500 million people in 100 nations and is still growing. This large body of apostate Christianity has already become one in spirit with the Roman Catholic and Greek Orthodox churches, and has recognized the so-called spirituality of non-Christian religions as well. A glimpse of the emerging harlot church was seen on January 24, 2002, when Pope John Paul II led the third day of prayer for peace in Assisi, Italy. The 2002 Interfaith Prayer Gathering featured some 200 religious leaders, including representatives of, in quotes and the term used loosely, Christian denominations, including Roman Catholic, Orthodox, Anglican, Reformed, 
Baptist, Lutheran, Mormon, and Mennonite, as well as representatives of Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, Sikhism, Baha'i, Confucianism, Shintoism, Hinduism, Jainism, Zoroastrianism, and members of African and North American traditional religions. Prominently featured were 29 Muslim leaders from such countries as Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, Egypt, Sudan, Morocco, and Libya, all of which persecute Christians to some degree. Thus, there is already a harlot church taking shape under the auspices of Roman Catholicism and sitting upon many waters. Rome's worldwide reach was very evident at the funeral of Pope John Paul II in April of 2005. The ultra-large front-page banner for the April 8th edition of the Evening Standard of London, England, announced in capital letters, United by the Pope, and that about sums it up. Claudira Ribeira Santos, a Brazilian nun who attended the Pope's funeral, observed, The entire world is here. John Paul tore down the walls of countries, of classes, of religions, end quote. As the Times of London observed, this reflected not just the charisma of the late Pope, but also a better understanding of the Catholic Church with a growth of ecumenism, as quoted in the Times April 7, 2005. This funeral, called the greatest the world has seen, was watched on television by an estimated two billion people. It was the first papal funeral attended by 200 world leaders, including at least 70 presidents and prime ministers. It was the first papal funeral attended by an Anglican Archbishop of Canterbury, the first attended by a British prime minister, and the first attended by a future monarch of England, Prince Charles, who is now King Charles III. This was also the first papal casket before which a president of the United States bowed, and the first papal funeral to draw an entourage of the current and two former presidents of the United States, as quoted in the Times of London, April 7, 2005. Not only was the Harlot Church already taking shape then, but the groundwork was also being laid for the current-day pontiff, Pope Francis who is carrying the interfaith torch with passionate fervor and dedicated zeal that exceeds even that of Pope John Paul II, all in service to the soon-to-be-revealed man of lawlessness, also known as the Antichrist. Number four, her unholy effect upon men identifies her with Rome, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The term fornication, which is used in Revelation 17.2, refers to the seducing power of the Romish system, in drawing men's affections away from the one true God, in exchange for homage made to the Babylonian counterfeit. In the Barnes and Notes commentary, it is stated, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, spiritual adultery. The meaning is that papal Rome, unfaithful to God and idolatrous and corrupt, has seduced the rulers of the earth and led them into the same kind of unfaithfulness, idolatry, and corruption. 
how true this is in history, need not be stated. All the princes and kings of Europe in the Dark Ages, and for many centuries thereafter, were, and not a few of them are now, entirely under the influence of papal Rome. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication, the alluring cup which, as a harlot, she had extended to them. Here it is said that the harlot had made them drunk with the wine of her fornication. That is, they had been, as it were, intoxicated by the alluring cup held out to them. What could better describe the influence of Rome on the people of the world, in making them, under these delusions, incapable of sober judgment, and under the power of seducing fascination, controlling all their powers? End quote. Number five her illicit relationship with civil government identifies her with Rome, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. Revelation 17.2 The apostles never yoked together with secular government. They gave their attention to establishing the Church of Jesus Christ apart from the world and its carnal influences. In 2 Corinthians 6.14-15, Paul, who was a church planter, wrote, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Apostate Christianity, on the other hand, does not hesitate to unite with godless men in government to accomplish its purposes. During the Dark Ages, the Roman Catholic Church yoked with secular government and oftentimes even ruled over it. In 1302, Pope Boniface VIII issued a papal bull entitled Unum Sanctum, in which he claimed that no one can be saved who does not submit to the Pope as the supreme head of the Church, and demanded that kings and all earthly authority be subject to him. In 1076, Pope Gregory VII humbled Emperor Henry IV by calling a council of bishops and proclaiming that the emperor could no longer rule his kingdom. In January of 1077, the emperor traveled to Italy to the castle where the pope was staying, on a visit to the Duchess Matilda, and begged his forgiveness. The haughty pope forced the emperor to stay outside in the winter cold, barefoot, and fasting for three days. King John of England, who reigned from 1199 to 1216, was also humbled by Pope Innocent III. When His Highness the Pope became displeased with the king, he excommunicated him and issued a decree declaring that he was no longer king, releasing the people of England from any obligation to him. The haughty Pope ordered King Philip of France to organize an army and navy to overthrow John, which he began to do with great zeal, eager to conquer England for himself. The Pope called for a crusade against King John, promising the participants remission of sins and a share of the spoils of war. In the meantime, King John yielded to the Pope in all things and resigned England and Ireland into the Pope's hands. In another example, Pope Innocent III also humbled Raymond VI, Count of Toulouse in France. 
Raymond was a Roman Catholic, but he favored the Waldenses and attempted to protect them from the wrath of the Pope. The pontiff excommunicated him, threatened him, cursed him, and finally called for a crusade against him. Those who responded were promised forgiveness of sins, the cancellation of all debts, and if they died in battle, they would go directly to heaven. Not unlike Islam, who promises martyrs for Allah, immediate access to paradise, and a harem of 72 virgins. The Roman Catholic Church still yokes together with secular government, especially under the leadership of Pope Francis, who has been playing a major role in not only climate change, but many other governmental issues that are impacting the world as well, and readying it for the new world order of the Antichrist. And we will be addressing these things a little later in the study. But for now, we must pause. In our next segment, I will pick up with number six on the list of how the harlot of Revelation 17 is identified with Rome through the Roman Catholic Church. Until then, stay grounded in the unadulterated word of God's truth and put your armor on every day. The battle is fierce, but the victory is already won. And, as always, beloved, I bid you his agape. You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you have a prayer request, please contact us at Agape Light Ministries, P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63006, or via our website at www. Dot agape light ministries.com again that's www.agapelightministries.com